Welcome to Highway to Health. I'm Jeremy Quinby. How are you doing? I hope you're well. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers listening. I have to give a shout out to my mom who has become a listener of the show finally. She gets a mention in this conversation here as well. I love you, mom. Thanks for being one of my all-time big supporters and for giving me the space to explore myself and to not question my decision-making, even when it didn't seem in my best interest. You've always been a huge supporter of everything I've done, and I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks to, to all of you listeners, too, for the messages about this previous episode with Peter Kaminsky. Seems like my message about how challenging spring can be struck a chord with many of you. I have to share uh, this email that I got because it really made me laugh. Dear Jeremy, thank you for the reminder about spring. Forgot my coat again yesterday and nearly froze my ass off. I do this every year. I live in denial of crappy spring, spring weather after the first warm, sunshiny day. All I have to do is look at my, my weather app, for Christ's sake, and find out the temperature. But do I do that? Nope. I dress like it's summer. Never mind that it's 48 degrees and raining and wind is spraying against my bare legs. Oh, and I forgot to bring my umbrella as well. I'll dry off at work. I'm taking your commentary to heart, though. Really, I am. I'm trying to cut myself some slack for this crazy behavior. Tomorrow's another chance to act like a grown-up. I might even bring a jacket with me to work and an umbrella. Loving the podcast, by the way. You are brilliant, and your guests have pulled me through a lot of long commutes and shitty work days. All my best, Julie. <laughs> Thanks for sharing this with me, Julie. Uh, you certainly brighten my gray spring day today. I, I know the feelings you're describing all too well. If you're a new listener to the show, thanks for checking it out. Highway to Health is an exploration of how we can improve our experience as individuals and communities and to, to more deeply understand our relationship to the planet and all of its inhabitants. The idea of health has been too closely tied to health care, which is really about sick care. It's about fixing a problem. While uh, we will address some of this on the show, my aim is about identifying solutions. Today's conversation with Laurel Van Meter is all about solutions, simple ways to take care of ourselves through all of life's demands and how to stay well. You have an inner world that is yours, that you, you should have, that you should be aware of and thankful for and protective of and understand that not only do you have that, but so does everybody else. And that we're all trying to figure out how do you stay connected to that, but be a part of the world at the same time. She'll be on in just a minute. First, though, I'd like to take a second uh, to just say thank you to the listeners who have become supporters of the podcast. While this podcast is a labor of love, I could really use your support to continue to bring this kind of content to you and to continue to build a community that is happening around this project. It's incredibly easy to support the podcast with a 5 to $10 a month donation. You just go to patreon.com forward slash highway to health to donate. We've got different pledge levels, so anyone can, can afford to be a supporter for as little as $1 a month. You can also learn more about this project in the two-minute video by yours truly on that Patreon page. Also, don't forget, you can now listen to Highway to Health on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Buzzsprout. And don't forget, if you're going to be in the air or underground and want to listen to us, just download the episode before you travel. So this conversation today with Laurel, uh, she's a yoga teacher, owner of the Yoga Garden, and co-founder of Gypset Retreats came out of our, our last conversation here on the podcast. We were both educators and wanted to share some of simple takeaways that we've gotten through our practices, ways to take care of ourselves, cultivate a practice that helps us live better, and enjoy our experiences in life as fully as possible. Knowing Laurel has been teaching in corporate environments, I thought it might be helpful for us to explore together how she teaches. 
Uh, I posed to her the question of what could we do in just one minute to improve our experience right now? And this became the basis for our conversation. Of course, it's always the first step that leads us down a path. And this happened to be the case with this conversation and topic as well. I hope you pull some inspiration and simple takeaways from this episode. Here's my conversation with Laurel Van Meter. I'm sure you have kind of like a series of things that you do with like someone who's just getting into doing this or someone with a very specific issue going on. Or mm-hmm. you know. I do. I have, I mean, there's about seven actions that I tell people that I teach them right off the bat and we kind of zone in on one or two of them and figure yeah. out where they need to do their work Okay, and then build it up from there. Usually it's starting with the feet or the hips or the low back. Um, but yeah, everybody asks if there's a recording or somewhere they can go to use it as a follow-up or to do their homework yeah, yeah, because it's one of those things where if you were to just watch that without having time on the mat with me in a one-on-one or in one of my classes, it probably wouldn't make much sense. But once we've had that time together, I think it, yeah, it would be good for people to have that to go to or that they could show other people, well, here's how I fixed my low yeah, back or here's yeah. how I relieved my sciatica or Here's how you sit in a chair. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of what I do with my people that have low back issues or hamstring issues or yoga butt. It's like, well, here's, you need to learn how to sit in a chair. Yeah. I do, this, I do the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I start with some, I have like sort of a progressive series that I do that's floor lying to, mm-hmm. to start out with. And I really try not to let people spend too much time on the floor doing exercise because I just feel like it's not realistic. Yeah. You need to understand how your body f- works in space. But we can sort of tip that up on its side later on. It's yeah. all the same rules apply. <laughs> I'm sure you do the same exact yeah. thing. But I thought that would be like such a, I, I deal with so, so much of that with people. And it's not to say that they're not going to benefit from still coming to work with us or from working with somebody else, but they need that kind of a foundation to understand that, oh, this is actually what I'm in need of. And I didn't, I never realized it could be this simple. And that's, yeah, that's the perspective change I kind of, I'm thinking about. Even just how to stand. Yeah. You know, we did a fundraiser in here for Save the Boundary Waters for the BWCA, yeah, I saw that, yeah. which was great. We had a canoe in here and a bunch of paddles and <laughs> it got like, it was awesome. Um, and we had about 20 people in here. There was only one or two people from the studio. And it was great because they were all outdoorsmen and like sporty people, but none of them were yogis. Yeah. And so I... What was their experience with yoga before? Any, anything? You know, it's, it's rare to meet somebody that now that doesn't have some kind of yeah, experience yeah. with yoga, but it varies so much yeah. that... Everybody has some kind of familiar, they've been on a yoga mat or, you know, more than 50% of people, but I don't, you know, what they're doing with that, I don't really know. Yeah. Definitely not therapeutic, probably more exercise or fitness, which is fine. But, um, so I had the, we held the fundraiser for the BWCA and then my friend, Dr. Erin McPherson, who's a chiropractor Northeast and we send a lot of people back and forth. Yeah. She and I decided we'd, we'd call it paddle and portage and teach people how to paddle, like sit properly to paddle and then stand to paddle and put on a Duluth pack and then flip a canoe. So it was just great because 
first thing that happened, which was really funny, that we had like Indeed or uh, Inbound Brewery donated a bunch of beer and we had Butter Bakery donated some snacks, which was really sweet. So everybody was kind of milling around. That's awesome. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and enjoying their beer and snacks for about, I don't know, a half an hour. And we did giveaways as well. Um, and then about a half an hour in, I was like, we were like, okay, let's show you guys how to do this. And it was funny because everybody just, they lined up, they were ready to go. And both Aaron and I were, were kind of taken aback because they were such good listeners and they were just <laughs> so like present. And we were both just kind of laughed because when I'm teaching a class in here before class, everybody's talking and milling yeah, around yeah. and they're like hugging and they haven't seen each other and they're just, you yeah. know, it's like a big reunion or a party. And I have to kind of like rein people in a little bit to get yeah. that to get class to start. So it was just really funny to have these people like front and center ready to go. So it was great. They were really good listeners. But even just looking around the room and just kind of um the way people were trying to put the packs on beforehand before we had taught them how to do it. They just have people just don't know how to hold themselves without you know, if you keep doing that eventually it's gonna create an injury. Right. Especially a lot of people were making comments about how the biggest thing was like lower back, like portaging a canoe and feeling compression on their lo- lower back or yeah. putting, you know, a 50 pound Duluth pack on your back and then having one on the front yeah. and portaging a canoe. Just like I mean, just crazy. getting it overhead in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So you need to know about the curves in your spine and how to set yourself up, create healthy curves in your spine and right. engage the muscles to hold it. Yeah. So that's basically what we were showing them. And we just had a blast and everybody was so thankful. We raised like $400 and gave away um, discounts on our services. And it was just, it was really fun. A couple of people flipped the canoe. And uh, yeah, I think people are eager to have that information. Yeah. I mean, we had 20 people that really weren't yogis show up and be totally game to learn that. So I think more and more people, as yoga becomes more popular... As, work, as wellness at the workplace becomes more popular, people are trying to figure out what that even is. Yeah. And, I, and I think even with, even with this group of people, I can imagine that there's now a certain comfort level in knowing that there's a fair amount of teaching that probably goes on in yoga mm-hmm. that's going to be beneficial. They may know that they are, you know, sit a lot and have tight hamstrings or they may know right. something about their body. And they're, and they're willing to look to you as, as a guide now Mm-hmm. And in a way that they wouldn't have probably 20 years ago, mm-hmm. or it, it wouldn't have been as, as comfortable anyways for just like a random group of people to show up in a yoga studio and talk about canoeing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is totally, you know, yeah. it seems kind of random in some ways, but I, I've, I've been involved in stuff like that too, where people really just, they're, they have the thing that they love doing and they want to, they want to enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. And this is just another aspect of that. Yeah. And I think... Well, you don't know what you don't know. Like if if you don't know about how to hold yourself properly and maneuver yourself properly when you're at a weak retreat in the boundary waters, you know, how, how would you even get that information? Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. My classes have changed so much that you say 20 years ago, because even 10 years ago, I wouldn't have obviously known what I know now. And if somebody would have walked in and asked me those questions, I probably wouldn't have really known how to answer them. Right. You know, so it's, I think the yoga world has evolved in enough in a really great way that it's just for the masses now. Yeah. And it's really yoga, I feel like is becoming, well, yoga in a therapeutic way in the way in which you and I are talking about it 
is now a part of the world of wellness. Yeah. And because it's, I mean, it's, it's also that educational aspect of things, which in, I was very lucky early on to have someone who could really break things down. Mm-hmm. I was also curious and from like sort of an engineering mindset, I always want to know like the whole mechanical process of something, you know? <laughs> so if I, if I had questions after class, it was always, it's always seemed welcome to, to, you know, get that information. But I, I think it's also becoming expected of, of even people like me. I mean, I started in the fitness industry and even at, there was a point, you know, 20 years ago when I was starting to do this work because I was doing a lot of work with like post rehab and working sort of in coordination with, or at least getting some referrals from physical therapy that, you know, I could, I could tell that these people were coming to me with way more demand than I think they had, and, and it depends on who you are as a person too, obviously. But I think in, in the past, we weren't looking to personal trainers for, you know, something that was so specific, like a lower lower back challenge or, a, you know, hip flexor challenge or something that we now know things about. Mm-hmm. And that education is, I mean, if, if you want to get on YouTube and get, get in the wormhole on some very specific thing, you can learn a lot in an hour. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean... You know, experience is a whole different thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you could fake it for quite a while now on, on just reading stuff on the internet. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a really good point. I think there's a lot of like entry level yoga, Yeah. right? There's a, there's so much of that where you, you know, there's, there's like our yoga studio across the street from here. And then there's, you know, they're like everywhere Northeast Yeah. and they all have something different to offer. So there's tons of places you can go to start. But I think that um, the education part of it, as you get going, it's fascinating to me. I, I speak to my teacher trainers a lot about this. We're, we're two-thirds of the way through the current teacher training, and I'm like, isn't it crazy that we don't know this, that this isn't a part of our mm, education? Yeah, yeah. You know, like our bodies and how to be aligned in an optimal way is just is completely not a part of our culture. Yeah. Like we live here. This is our home. Everything happens here. Yeah. It's just fascinating to me that it, it now, and now that door is opening, which I think is so cool. Well, and that's the part I was just thinking about as, as soon as I said the words like you can fake it and mm-hmm. learn all this stuff is that there's the embodied part of, of the work that does take time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can, you can theoretically understand some of this stuff. And I, and I hear this all the time and I, and I've been in, you know, situations around education with, with body work and, and physical movement stuff where there are people who are, you know, have much less experience than me, but have actually done more, more coursework than I have. And I'm always sort of like, how is that possible? Yeah. (laughs) But I think, I think they're, they're hungry for more information. They want to appear on the surface also to have like all these, you know, have checked the boxes on certifications and Mm -hmm. different kinds of things, but they're not actually like in the practice of doing stuff enough with people. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, having done this for over 20 years, you just, you, you start to, you start to see the patterns over and over again and realize like, even I can, I can, very quickly spot someone with, you know, some kind of postural deformity the minute they walk in the door. Yeah. Like I can just tell there's something about this person's gait that's like, right. I got to Your check. hips I are gotta, 20 feet in front of you. <laughs> there, are, there are some really your obvious ones, obviously. 19 feet in front of your shoulder. 
<laughs> but that's that, that's that's sort of right. a, you know there's there are some obvious things and then there are things that we're just much we're much better at picking up on more subtly even just I, I like to just watch some people move sometimes mm-hmm. for a while before I get into do, and I have certain assessment things that I do but I I don't get too caught up in the assessment because I think when you do assessments and you have sort of a checklist of things like okay let's see how your overhead movement is and mm-hmm. have tested in this way. I think people don't move normally during those things. You can right. you can see limitations and restriction and stuff, but I love to just watch someone do something naturally the way they would normally do it, and I can get so much more information that way. Yeah, agreed. And so I think you're talking about patterns, like you're you're looking for what people's natural movement patterns are, right? Um, which is a tricky thing. Like you can't really, uh, yeah, you can't put somebody on a yoga mat and start measuring them and expect to get natural movement. Yeah. Right. They're, right. Cause they're going to get self-conscious and they're going to try and correct or whatever. It's just not how they naturally right. move. So it's going to be, well, it doesn't happen in yoga as much either. You know, you're not like, okay, now let me see your plank. <laughs> well, I kind of do with, oh, do in you? my privates I do. Okay. Yeah. Right. In class. No, <laughs> that'd be so awkward and weird. That would not be a good class. Um, but yeah, so I started teaching more and more privates. I have a pretty solid um, group of people I teach weekly one-on-ones to. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll have them walk in place or just, they used to send me, you know, a list or is there anything I need to do before I come? And I used to have things that I would give them and kind of a checklist, but now I'm like, no, just come and we'll start moving. And mm-hmm. what the work we need to do will come out of that. We yeah. don't, there's really not a lot we need to do before yeah. because it's experiential and you need to get on your mat and, and make it physical. Yeah. And then we'll see what your patterns are and, and go back to those seven things and start to pull from that and figure out, well, okay, here's where we need to do our work. Right. I think that experiential part, I want to go back to that, is really interesting um, and training and education that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I um, have done a ton of yoga education. And one of the things that I always thought was interesting in the education was it was all kind of planning and you know, here's how you sequence a class for this. Here's how you you help somebody in this situation or here's how you greet your clients or whatever. But I'm like, how are you, how are you doing this? Like, I want to see you do this to a group of people. I want to see you teaching the way you're telling me I need to teach. So I've, I've really included that in my teacher training. I have classes that span over the training. So I will give my teacher trainings, here's what we're working on. We're working on the thoracic curve and here mm-hmm. are the poses in which we engage these muscles to support it in these ways. And then I take them through a class so they yeah. can actually see, well, here, here's how you do that. And they've, their response is always great. They're always like, I'm so glad this is in the training so we can see how you're, how you're doing it. Yeah. Versus so many people graduate from teacher trainings and they're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. Like I have all of this information, but I don't know how to apply it. Yeah. And, then, and which was the training that I got. And it was like, well, how do I, you know, it took me years to figure out a system for myself that worked. Right. Yeah. And, and, it, that's, and you only know that from, from that struggle probably. Yeah. Like how, to, how, to, how to give that to somebody else at this point. Yeah. And I think it also goes back to what we were talking about where there's more, edu- there's more information now. Yeah. You know, people are not, they're looking, they have higher expectations with what they can do with the information that yeah. you're giving them or that they're paying for. Yeah. And, and that can be overwhelming to get, to get too much too. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of like what you're saying with when someone comes in for the first time to, you know, start doing some work with you, 
you don't you don't need to apply all the principles of everything that you know. You only need to work within the finite set of things that you can tell that this person needs the most help with to start. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. So, and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast, but too much information is overwhelming to people even in a physical practice. Yeah. It's stressful. So, it's more helpful to just pick something really simple and emphasize that and watch that they're understanding what you're asking them to do and then move on from there. Yeah. So part of the experiential piece of it is that you're seeing as the educator that they're actually doing it and understanding it. Yeah. And if they're not, then you have to break it down in a different way. And, and this sort of leads us to what we wanted to dig into a little bit that we've been talking about, which is that given given what our where our culture is at this point and and even you know this is somewhat based on who you and I end up having to deal with on a on a you know weekly basis people who are coming to us for for help most people are spending you know way more time than they used to sitting or in front of screens mm-hmm. and and even you know even with the advent of the standing desk i think there's some there's some stuff going on that's i'd like to talk about standing desk <laughs> but but this is this is one of those things that i feel like some some of the challenges that people are facing in terms of self-care or just in terms of just, you know, dealing with things ongoing throughout the course of a, a work week who are in offices or as most of us are now working way more hours even into the evenings on our computers. How do we how do we manage some of that stuff? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is really physical postural challenges. There's a, there's an obvious sort of emotional stress component that's that's part of this too, and it does get kind of worked into our posture too, you know. And that, mm-hmm. that's one of those things where I hear way too many times people who just don't feel like they can take a a, a break at lunch because it's a you know there's a press on to get something you know finished by a specific date, and everybody in the office is doing the exact same thing, and it it feels like if you take a break, yeah that it's going to be perceived a certain way. And so you just, you don't, you don't get up, you barely get up to go to the bathroom. Right. But I think that is really not a very productive way of, of doing things. And I think there needs to be a little pushback on that. I was working with an organization for a little bit this last year who um, is working on workplace culture stuff. And that's one of the things that they're trying to address. But until that changes, yeah, <laughs> we wanted to talk a little bit about how do, how do we how do we manage some of this stuff, you know, or help people manage some of this stuff day to day, given whatever their time constraint is, and and even if it is as little as a minute. Yeah, right. So, we talked about that. And, and you spend you spend a fair amount of time in corporate workplace doing some some yoga. And how how long do you get for for it's like a lunchtime type of thing? You know, it's really different. Um, for everybody, lunch is is definitely the most popular time. I've done as early as you know five thirty in the morning mm. or after work. Those are harder to fill. People have to want to be at work even earlier, yeah. even if it's to yeah. exercise and work is paying for it. It's hard for people to get there. So if it's during the work day that those classes are the most successful, um, the the CEO it's got to come from the top down. Whoever is leading in the organization has to be supportive of it for all the reasons you just listed, because if they're not there or if they're not, if, if their employees don't understand that it's supported, that they go, they won't go. It really runs the gamut. I I think, I mean, I have so many different places that I go to now too, and they're, they're all different. You know, I just taught a class at 
Hamlin University, and there's a group of administrators that um, decided they wanted to put together a yoga class for themselves, and we get to use their uh, they have this beautiful gym from the 1930s. We get to use this awesome oh, facility, nice. yeah, to um, to take classes in. So it's very supportive, but you know they want a little bit of movement and then more restorative. Yeah, for yeah, and they do a full hour. Um, you know, I do classes where they want to move, they want to get going. They're sitting all day and they're tired, so they want something a little bit more fiery. You know, it, it just depends on, you really have to tailor to the group now. We're starting meditation classes for quite a few of my workplace yoga um, uh, uh, contracts. And they're going to do, they're starting with either once a month or every other week doing meditation for 30 to 45 minutes. Okay. So we're really just tailoring programs according to what people need. Yeah. But if it doesn't, most of the places that I've, I've worked for are I've had for years and years, like over a decade, some of them. And once the program gets going, the, the people, the employees will fight for it. Yeah. They will not yeah. give it up. They come in on their days off. They schedule around it. Um, and, and the organization then kind of grows around it. It's like a little pearl. They grow around right. it and everybody understands that it's time for yoga and you just don't schedule at yeah. noon, meetings at noon on Monday, right. Right? right? Which is really important, but it's tough to get that at first. You know, at first, people do feel like, "Well, should I be doing this?" People do feel like, yeah. "Is it even though the the organization is providing the service that it's not reachable?" So it is. It's a good question. And and what's, I, what, what's the time frame of like how much time do you get to to work with people in in that kind of setting? Like. Per class, for, for say, let's say for an early or af- late afternoon one, or for lunchtime, is there are there different timing amounts? It's that almost you get? always between forty-five minutes and an hour. Well, that's a long time. Actually, it's never over longer than an hour. Yeah. yeah, and some people will book out the full hour, but they want five-minute window on either end. Mm-hmm. So, like, you start the classes at twelve, but you start at twelve oh five, so they can get changed and grab their mat and get to wherever the class is. They want to finish at 12.55 so they can, same thing, change and get ready for work. So they have a full hour, but they're in yoga for 50 minutes. Yeah. And then some people, you know, they want to just be moving and have that that whole hour and they use it as their lunch hour. Right. So then they just eat at their desk, which it sounds like people are doing anyway. Yep. Whether, <laughs> whether they're doing yoga or going for a walk or whatever, they don't have time for meals anyway. So I think... That's an interesting part of that, the work culture that's changing in that way too. It is hard. I mean, I do some strategic planning for wellness workplace, workplace wellness programs, and it is hard because you can set up a really great program and make it available, but how do you change the culture of not scheduling meetings over that time or you know, getting the C-suite to go and support it, getting certain people to move with, you know, different departments and things like that. There's a lot of um, politics behind it and there's a whole culture there that people are comfortable with and it's not, it hasn't been built around exercise or taking care of yourself at work. So it's exciting because everybody's trying to figure out and change it, but yeah, it's... And I think you can, sometimes you'll have like the higher-ups might be at a point where they feel comfortable enough in their role that they'll come and do this stuff and the newer employees will come in and do it because it's like, oh, this is great. This is yeah. part of my new job. And But then you have the managerial level and people who are like a little more in the weeds with the business who don't take the time and they're actually the people that probably need it a little bit more. Yeah. 
Yeah. It depends on, I think it, right. I think it has a lot to do with the way interact, people interact at the organization and what they're comfortable doing. Like I've been teaching at Fallon for, I don't know, like 14 years or something. And Mm, the CEO comes to class regularly. And if he's not there, everybody's fine with it too. And sometimes whoever answers the phone will switch places with somebody else so she can go to class. And, you know, they're just, um, very supportive of it. And it's just, it's just not a big deal for anybody that works at that organization to be in a yoga class with yeah. anybody else. So huh. that's an important part of it. How, m- how many days a week do you do there? Two. Two? Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Noon on Mondays and Wednesdays. So do you, do you, do you give anything to them like as, as takeaways from these things for like the middle of their work day or the days when they're not seeing you or anything like that? Good question. Um, yeah, I think the way kind of going back to the way I, we were talking about it with education and the way I've processed the education that I've gotten and chosen and given yeah. myself through yeah. yoga, just because, you know, you and I are both in fields where you kind of get to choose your own adventure education. Yeah. Um, it's always been geared towards, well, like, okay, I know there's more. I know, how do you, how do you take this to the next level? Right. And so initially it was, how do I get into this pose? How do I stick a handstand? How do I, you know, open up my hamstrings so I can do the splits and things like that, like trying to get into um, more, I guess, advanced, complicated poses, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Which I did for a long time and I loved it, but then, you, you know, you get kind of t- tired of it. It just, I was like, okay, what's, what's after that? Which yeah. I kind of didn't really anticipate <laughs> yeah. that, that I would get to that point where I was like, okay, I don't need to keep trying to get into these crazy poses, what, but, but what's after that? Right. And it's like, well, oh, there's understanding the actions. There's understanding how do I really apply this to my life? There's how do I educate people on this? How do I get other people to understand the 20 years of experience I have in a much shorter period of time? So to answer your question, when I teach now, I'm always weaving in different actions. Like here's how you open up your lower back, you know, bend your, mm-hmm. your knee and move the top of your thigh back. And if they're not understanding it, and this is where we've talked about maybe making some videos, yeah. here's how you do that. Because in the language, it doesn't make any sense. Right. And there's a lot of things that I'll say that seem polarizing, like, you know, lift, like if you're in a high lunge, I'll say, lift your hips, keep the lift in your hips, but bend your knee more. And I've had people actually say, well, you, how do you do that? You can't do that. I'm like, well, yeah, actually you can, because yeah. it's creating an opening and an action. So... I'm always teaching actions that the the whole point of it is to change the pattern to a more optimal way off your mat. Yeah. So yes, everything I'm doing applies to them in their daily work life. Yeah. And if it's if it really applies to like a standing desk or something, if they're standing at the top of their mat and we're working on hips today or something, I might say, you know, move your hips in this way, move your feet in this way. This could really apply if you're standing at your desk all day right? or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm always giving cues. And my students know that, especially you know the classes that I've had for over a decade. They know that I teach that way and they, they really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, they know that there's not many other places they can get that, especially at a workplace yoga program. Right. It's right. totally different. Um, but it's also... You know, that, and that's a class setting versus a, a one-on-one setting. And then I'm always weaving in. We start with like a brief meditation and breathing exercises and finish with that as well. And I'll talk with them 
about like you're trying to get to this place where you're aware of your breath. Use that to be aware of yourself physically. Mm-hmm. And remember to come back here as yeah. often as you can between now and the next time you practice because yeah. that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. But you'll also, I also talk to them. You're not, it's not supposed to be so intentional. We don't have time in our lives to be aware of ourselves and really doing our yoga practice all the time because right. we have to work. We have right. kids, we have family, we have to brush our teeth and you know, just yeah. take general maintenance. Yeah. So the idea is to change the pattern so the pattern is there without really having to think so much about right. it. So that's how I do it. Which, which is also kind of where you got to when you're, you're not doing the extreme poses anymore. It's sort of like, you know, you've, you've, you've built in some routine in, into the way that you're doing things. You've built this pattern in and you're, it's, it, that part has kind of become like those, those poses become challenges, but the, but the, the flow and the embodiment and all the, all the like practice within your body is something that you're just in a habit of, and you're going to do this almost re- regardless and that's really what I think, you know, the teaching ends up being about. I mean, that's, that's more yoga philosophy than it is from the camp that I came from a little yeah. bit. But, but, but in terms of functional movement, which is more of what my study was, was how do you apply this? Let's take the, you know, the, the canoeing uh, people who were here in the studio, right? I mean, they, they were here to learn how to like have ease in their body while they're and, you know, work appropriately with their posture while they're in a canoe. That is, I always try to, you know, sort of glean from every new person that I'm working with, like, what is their passion? What is it that you really want to be doing with your, with your body? Or what, what is it that gives you a lot of joy? And, and then start to work from there and get that back into their physical body, because that's what leads to the, you know, the, to keeping that. Actually, I just, when I was out at lunch today, I ran into this woman who's the, um, she runs this art or arts organization that my wife is part of. And so she was asking me, you know, about the podcast. She didn't really know I did this. And so I I was explaining to her a little bit. And so she knew a little bit about my background. And then she's like, you know, the interesting thing is that I was really good at certain parts of my life in the way that I sort of worked in my business career and my creative career and in my relationships. But the one thing I missed for years was how I, how I took care of my body. And now I'm having to go back and deal with all that stuff so that I can keep all those other aspects of my life. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that kind of sums up what I think the, the, the problems that we face in terms of like managing our family and careers at a certain point where we, we feel the, the need to take care of those parts so much. And, and I would even say this about people's creative lives. Like, I think we all should have some aspect of, of our, our creative life. And that's another one of those things that gets shelved or our, you know, spiritual practice if we have a spiritual practice. But I feel like that's one of those things with the, the, the body is kind of that central thing, as you were saying earlier, like this is where we live. This, mm-hmm. is, this is where everything stems from. So mm-hmm. we have to have some, you know, sort of general upkeep with that. And it's easy to feel like, you know, in, in all of the, you know, pressures that we feel to be the best in, you know, all these different aspects of ourselves and our lives that we, that we don't put enough effort into even the smallest part of what it would take to kind of make you feel, it's sort of like the, the, the airplane where they say you have to put the, the air mask on yourself before you, mm-hmm. you know, put it on your child. It's, we, we, we talk about this all the time because if, if we're not doing a good job with ourselves, my, my wife and I as parents, I can always tell when we're not. Like yeah. I can always see like, oh, it seems like now we're just putting fires out all, all over the place because we haven't, we, we didn't start with that. Because you're not centered or yeah. grounded. Or, yeah. 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 So I think that's a, a really good point. And, uh, you, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about 
like our education on, on that. And we talked about earlier, like it's just not a part of our culture. In schools. Or- and in schools. And, and I thought of like, how lame was your health class oh. <laughs> growing up? I mean, it was just like pathetic. Yeah. Their curriculum was completely ridiculous. And it hasn't changed that much, to be honest. I mean, my son can tell you all about this. <laughs> yeah. And I, that I don't know. But I mean, and I'm talking about the 80s. So that was a yeah. long time ago. But it was it's, so lame. That was even more pathetic. But it's still, yeah. I, I, I feel like this is one of those things. We wouldn't be having this conversation if if people were, st- were still learning this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think it's just, it, it is, it's, it's the most important thing that we should, but it's really, we're taught and you know, I think the, the, the things that we're taught subject matter wise in our schools and in education, even higher education are really geared towards, you know, just being part of this culture. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our kids need to need to know about computers and technology now to some extent, or they're not going to, they're not going to survive and thrive mm-hmm. unless they have jobs like we have. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is a good point, And I think this is maybe one of the things that I liked about yoga philosophy, you know, 20 years ago when I started studying it and didn't really understand it or why it needed to be a part of the physical practice or any of that. And the way it's evolved and it ties in with the work you're doing is it's the, your inner world versus the outer world, mm-hmm. right? And so I think yoga philosophy does a really good job if you find the right philosophy in a modern philosophy because mm-hmm. the older, more classical yoga philosophy, I, I think, actually doesn't. It's very dogmatic. There's a difference. People should know that. Okay. Um, just because it's yoga philosophy doesn't mean it's helpful or applies to today, you know? Um, so you have an inner world that is yours, that you, you should have, that you should be aware of and thankful for and protective of and understand that not only do you have that, but so does everybody else. Yeah. And that we're all trying to figure out how do you stay connected to that, but be a part of the world at the same time. So yeah, again, not part of our culture. So how, how, where does this fit in? And this is where I think you know wellness programs are, are trying to figure this out. And what we're talking about as far as people at work, like how... How can we really, how can we change the culture? How can we do this? And I think, you know, being in the information age, people have access to this information now. And so everyone's trying to figure out how to incorporate this into the culture. But yeah, we have an inner world. We have a physicality. We have our bodies. Like that needs to be included and it needs to be part of our education. And I think it can be way simpler than, than, you know, I, while, while we're saying they don't do a very good job of this in school, is I, I know they're working within time constraints. Mm-hmm. They have to make sure that they get you know sex ed in at some point because that's you know crucial <laughs> before you reach high school, and then they sort of drop. and And I think it's it. I mean, just from from my my what I've seen with my kids so far is they're they're very malleable at young ages. My daughter was doing some yoga in in like preschool. Yeah. You know, and and it's all play and, and I think I think it's important to sort of encourage movement as play mm-hmm. because that is actually where, you know, and all these activities that we might find joy in, they usually have they usually have sort of a movement element to them. And so like there's there's this time period where I think it's it's really great and you can kind of get through that for a while. Somewhere around fifth grade seems to be like a point where it's it's harder to get them to focus on on learning some physical thing, but it's still possible. Even if I mean, even if you one one nugget gets in there, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. So you have, I mean, and then once they're back, once they're in high school and starting to become focused, if they if they're in a sport or an activity or they just, you know, 
they, I mean, my son is at a point now where he's taller than me and he's been coming to me and saying like, sometimes my body hurts now. Mm-hmm. Like they're sitting in, they're sitting in classrooms. They're spending way more time just like thinking and, and, and writing and, and doing work like that. That's just harder on our bodies. And we need to have some like basic, simple things that, that this is, and it's the same things that I, I think that we're talking about with, with office workers or people who are sitting at computers for long periods of time, is that it can be something small. You just sort of need to know what those things are. And I, and that's what I, I want to hear more about from you. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> and we talked about this with sitting is the new smoking. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and right, that you, you can do something that is just, you know, you have a minute to check in with your breath or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, but I, sitting's, but we talked about this and sitting is not really the new smoking. No. Because sitting is a, is a natural thing that we can, can do and, and we can do it in a way that's actually engaged and, and, and not bad for our bodies. Right. In, in doses, obviously, but. Yep. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this too, when we work with people individually, somehow teaching them how to sit in a chair in a way that is optimal and won't make them feel fatigued or irritate their sacrum or their lower back or irritate sciatica, you know, anything they might be dealing with. So um, I think two things play in simplicity. I think that um, we are, we know we're more productive when we have the freedom to play. So I think, um, you know, I'll do this. I'll check in with myself and I encourage people to do this. You're sitting at your desk for 45 minutes, like get up and go for a walk you know, go to the bathroom, walk around the building, something, just get up and move because it will refresh your brain. Yeah. You know, you, you can do that. I mean, I certainly have days where I'm so incredibly busy. I'm like, how am I going to get this all done? I have so many things that have to be done today. How am I going to do this? But, um, and that's, and the important thing about that, sorry to interrupt, but is, is I, I feel like there's, there, and this is one of the things I try to teach um, when I'm when I'm just helping people sort of understand their physicality, is that we have these bodies. We we you know we look at people and see fleshy humans with eyes and ears and whatever. But really, we have this whole underlying circulatory system mm-hmm. that is in this constant you know you know state of movement and flow. And that movement and flow can become stagnant from just sitting for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of those things that, that moves. And then we have this electrical system, this nervous system that's also connected to that state. And so, you know, I think for, for going back to what you're saying about being productive, we, we lose productivity by, by being in these, you know, stagnant positions for long periods of time and not. And, and so it, it's something that's on us, though. We have to really, you know, be checking in with that. And if, and if we need a device or technology to remind us that we need to stand up, that might be OK, too. But I, yeah. but I still think, you know, you have to sort of know what you're working on and why you're keeping this going to keep the motivation, I think, to some extent, too, and really understand, even if it's a small amount of science and anatomy, I think it, it goes a long way. As far, so keep it going as far as being aware of the work you're doing on yourself physically. Yes, and, yeah. and just understand that you're in a physical body, yeah. even when you're like you're tied to a screen. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I think there's some good points there. Right, so there's a difference in doing things because you're being physical, like I get a lot of people that come from physical therapy with certain injuries and it's not getting fixed or they're bored or they're not making the connection they need to make or whatever, for whatever reason. And they're like, you know, we get them on their mat. I do a one-on-one. They're like, okay, this works because this applies to my life. Like I will do this in my life. I'm not going to like attach a rubber band to a doorknob and like 
pull it and, you know, a certain action. Cause that's, I don't do that in my life. Right. Right. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I understand that there are reasons that that needs to be done or, you know, for different ideas behind physical therapy. But I hear that a lot from people like, okay, this applies to my life. The way I'm moving on my mat, I move in my life. So I will start to, to make that pattern. That's right. very different than just exercising. Right. You know, and, like and- get your 30 minutes of exercising in a day because you have to, it's like another, another thing to get done. Right. It's actually probably creating more stress for people. Like I have all these things to do and I, and then I have to try and get that in as well. Yeah. And it's, and that's, and that's a tricky thing kind of leads into like, what is appropriate sometimes, you know, what's, for, you know, and I, I just had a little thing that I talked about on, on the, a recent podcast about how spring is one of these, those seasons where it seems like it should be great. You know, it seems like this, this should be a, a great time of year to, you know, sort of in, enjoy the outdoors and all this stuff. But it's, it's not, we're not quite there yet. It's like up and down weather-wise. I know there's, they're talking, we could actually get snow this weekend, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it, it does play on our, on our you know, just neurochemical mm-hmm, health. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. we, we're sort of up and down in, in our emotional states with all that stuff. It, it kind of wears on us physically and energetically mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, you know, being able to check in with that, it's, but it also relates very much to, I think, what, what people experience in their work, where you have some weeks where everything's just sort of, you know, the schedule isn't, is, you know, there's spaces in the schedule. You can kind of stay caught up to some extent on things. I mean, most people feel at this point that they never are caught up on anything. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, at least you kind of have those spaces and you can make spaces to get up and move around. And, you know, maybe you have a little routine that you even can do at your desk. But for, for a lot of people, when, when, the, when the pressure, you know, is on, they just, they just stop doing all those kinds of things. It's like the physical awareness is the first thing that goes out the right, window. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think, right. So I think the trick is, is it's got to weave into your life that you have now. Right. So the yeah. exercise can't require you to leave the life you're, you have now and go do this, understand this whole new set of, of tools yeah. and then apply it. Cause it's just not going to work. It's too much and it creates more stress. Yeah. So um, that's what I love about the work that I do and the things that you do. It applies. You can just weave it into what you're doing already. And that's where when you were talking about, well, there, you can do something for a minute. Yeah. You can. Like yeah. even if you're crazy busy, you can, do, you can stop for a minute and pay attention to your breath. Yeah. And I often start there. I almost always start with the breath because if you can you know, stop for like, we'll use the minute or five minutes and just feel your breath, move your body. You immediately become grounded. Everything, you know, talking about your lymphatic system, your circulatory system, your nervous system, everything starts to move in a more optimal way. It it just, even for five minutes, you can do that if you just pay attention to your breath. Now that is something you can do sitting at your desk, but it's also not easy. You know, it takes practice because it's super simple. Like this kind of goes back to simplicity and play. It is really simple, but you have to be playful about it because at first it's such a basic thing and it's fundamental to our existence, but we don't really understand it. So especially at first you don't really like, you know, I remember doing meditation and and pranayama breath work initially. And I was like, well, what am I, what am I doing? Like, I don't get, what am I supposed to be doing here? You know, and that's also, you're still in that mind frame of like productivity. Right. That's such a huge part of our culture. Like, what am right. I achieving by doing this? Yeah. It took me years to, to understand, well, I'm not achieving anything. I'm being physical. And it right. just wasn't explained that way. You know, yeah. even, even in yoga or in meditation, it was part of this big, huge, like 
hierarchical system. And it, you know, it just was super complicated and I didn't understand any of it. And I didn't really want to be a part of it or understand any of that, but I had to go through that to get to this place where I'm like, nope, we're just being physical. We're just yeah. being in our bodies in a healthy way. Yeah. So it is incredibly simple, but initially I think it's hard for people. It's intimidating for people. Um, when I get students who are new to the studio and the very occasional student who has never done yoga before, I had a guy, it was so cute. He came in with a longtime student as a friend and he did his intake form and it says, what is your yoga history? And his yoga history was three classes. <laughs> it was so cute. I'm like, you know how many classes? That's so great. So he was all excited to be here. But, um, you know, a guy like that, to sit in a room full of people with your eyes closed is really intimidating. Yeah. And then be told to breathe. They're like, what am I, what am I doing? So that one minute of doing something for yourself, it is simple, but I think it takes us time and practice to get there. You know, what works for you, Yeah. you know, without it, without making too big of a deal out of it. So you can get back to being a little more playful in your work, which will make you productive, but enjoy it. Yeah. And for the same reason, you know, giving the physical activity that you do meaning or, you know, have a reason that it incorporates into your life that it's important to do. So you're inspired to keep doing it. You know, we have that with our work, with our family, with our relationships, right. with everything. So it should be that way with our bodies and our physicality too. Yeah. And, and uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I use, I use what I find is people's joy. And, when, and it's not always, a, it's not always an athletic endeavor. It could be, they like to play music or, you know, do, do something, uh, draw or do art or something. Those are all still things that require you to have a certain kind of like presence and energy that if you don't yeah. take care of your body, you don't get to enjoy them, you know? So I, 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 I find lots of different ways in. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of like figuring out, I, I kind of put together for, even for myself because of my I have crazy schedule, but I just kind of figure out ways. I, I'm not very intimidated to to move or stretch or do anything at this point in my life. Like I could, if I was an office worker, I'd just get up in the middle. Right. Yeah. Me too. Like I would be like, oh my God, I can't sit here for this long. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, cause I do it on, if I'm travel, I'm traveling quite a bit and I have, you know, I, I, in the middle of my flight, I almost always get up, go, go to the back to the bathroom and then I stretch. And mm -hmm. it's always interesting because the flight attendants always comment and they always say, "Oh, that looks so nice!" Like you know, like they they're sort of they're sort of excited to see someone just getting up and mm -hmm. moving around, and you know, they're like, "Oh, that's the, that, that's a great reminder for me. I actually need to like I've been mm -hmm. trying to work on this while while they're you know, in the middle of their work days, they have some stretches that they you know are apparently doing too. So that's that's the kind of thing that I I like to think about it in little you know in in accomplishable small amounts. Mm -hmm. That's why I was suge suggesting to you like. What can you do in a minute? Mm -hmm. You can actually do quite a bit to change, you know, your overall sense of how you feel mm -hmm. by, you know, the sort of simple things that I always think about. Breath is always like a, mm -hmm. a good way to just reset your breath. Basically, makes you feel calmer, brings your heart rate down, mm -hmm. your focus is going to be better. Just, just some kind of movement basically frees up all your big, you know, joints, get some circulation going mm -hmm. and some kind of stretching, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can be, even if it's just one area of your body that, you know, 
my shoulders always get tight or my lower back always gets tight or my hips get tight. And you can figure out ways to incorporate mm-hmm. them, whether you, if you need to go down the hall to a space that you know is free just for, um, you know, 30 seconds and go do a couple of those stretches. Mm-hmm. Some of them you can do at your desk. Some of them you can do in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, even just like a standing forward fold or interlacing yeah. your hands behind your back and right. bending your elbows. Right. You know, sliding the sides of your throat back, lifting up through your chest, all of those things are reset you. Yeah. So, yes, I think it's it's, it's all about behavioral patterns how do we how do you you have you have to be aware of it first yeah and then how are you um gonna make choices around that i know it's interesting that's interesting that you say that about the the um travel agents because i the thought that i had flight attendants or flight attendants sorry (laughs) flight attendants um are there still travel agents (laughs) Well, I'm thinking there, 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 are, be, there are. Yeah, there but, are, because we use one for gypset. Oh, do you? Yeah, which is what I was thinking. Yes, there are travel agents, I know. But people think it's out of reach, and I don't, you know, they think that that's something that somebody else does. Right. You know, and that's what made me think of the behavioral part of it is like, well, anyone can do this. Right. You know? I think some people are embarrassed by mo- mm-hmm. by, by moving their bodies, and I think mm-hmm. that's also a cultural thing. Yep. When I When I lived in New York... There were uh, in Brooklyn. There was a, a laundry uh, place that I would go, and I, I would have to walk by there on the way to work every day. And there was a younger woman, an older woman, Chinese, um, who were always out there on the sidewalk in the morning doing tai chi. Oh yeah, you told me this. And it's and so it, cool. And you know, it's and it's it was it's and it's clearly so normalized to them. Like if if I was doing that on a sidewalk, my son would be horrified. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right? So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I, I always loved. I was, you know, like, and I, and I think there needs to be more sort of acceptance in our culture of our physical bodies, and it probably says more about us that we are not comfortable moving in front of each other. Yeah, you. That's funny. You reminded me. I went through a phase with a group of friends. This was probably ten years ago. We were trying to stick handstands, and we were obsessed. It was like everything we could do. Any anytime we had like five minutes, we were like up against the wall trying to stick a handstand, and we would do it anywhere. Like I remember yeah. we were doing a yoga retreat in a small town in Iowa, and we took a break <laughs> from the yoga class, and we were like up against the wall in the downtown, you know, outside trying to do handstands. And it was funny because. We were getting looks for sure, and it yeah, was obviously yeah. not considered normal activity. But we did, we did, we didn't care. I mean, we kept doing it anyway. But yeah, yeah, right. Like, why is that so weird? But it is. Yeah. Why is that so kind of unacceptable? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the other thing I, I you know in terms of like time management stuff that I I think the the morning is almost always the time that I think I can get away with a, something and it's usually not very much time. So I, I even have like sort of like a, you know, three to five minute morning routine mm-hmm. that I do that I try to like give people some, some insight into, I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine and maybe you have some thoughts on what you, how uh, other ways that you do this, but I, partly from my work, I've used foam rollers a lot, which are kind of ways of, it's kind of like self massage basically. So, you know, for a nearly 50 year old person, it's great to get up in the morning mm-hmm. and sort of do a few stretches, get on the foam rollers. I basically kind of feel like I can free up my hips and my lower back. And if for anyone who doesn't know what IT bands are, they're kind of like the tight little tendinous bands that go between your knees and your hips. And most people, when you're sitting for long periods of time, 
get tight there, especially. So, and and they and because they cross over the hip, that also puts a fair amount of drag on the hips. And I think just getting those mobilized a little bit, and then getting into a few stretches. I, I and I you know I'll do a little breathing work and kind of you know some I'm mixing some just traditional stretching with yoga stretches. And if I have more time, I, I probably will do more yoga stretches, mm-hmm. but because I can get into the breath work with it a little bit more, but that's as, as small as that is. And I, sometimes I know I'm going to have some time later in the day when I'm going to get to do things, but it, I feel like it sort of gets me going in my day. And even if, you know, whatever I have going on activities wise with my family, if I don't get to do something, you know, I might actually do that same routine at night Mm -hmm. so that I have, you know, something that I've done. Maybe I haven't gotten to do any sort of anything to push my cardio at all, but I still have, you know, those things that are just kind of basic maintenance things. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that can be five minutes a day. I mean, it really is not that much. Right. Yeah, I do actually, I have things that I do and then I call them homework poses for Mm. um, people that I work with. I don't have foam rollers, but I use rolled up Mexican blankets, which work really well. And I'll just place a rolled up Mexican blanket on the floor and then you stand with the front of your feet, the balls of your big toe on the blanket and then the heels on the floor on your mat and just do a forward fold. Every time I have somebody do that for the first time, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Is that for like extra calf stretching? (laughs) Yeah, it's for extra, well, it's the entire backs of your legs, but what it does is it sets your ankles back, which lines everything up and creates that really nice plumb line from the hip all the way down. Um, And it just opens up your sacral iliac joint, opens Mm -hmm. up your hips. It just starts getting everything moving in the best way. And you can do that for, you know, one minute to five minutes however long you want to do it. I think that's a great place to start. And then I also then take the roll. We call this calf smashing. Then take the roll and you kneel and then tuck the roll behind your knees. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. sit back, which is, an, is the best calf stretch I know of. It's so great. And it gets your lymph moving and everything yeah. moving in a really great way. So those are two things. You know, and Again, it's really simple. You could spend two minutes on it and get a lot done. Those are good earlier in the day. At night, I'll do um, hip opening primarily. Mm -hmm. So I'll do, it's called fire log pose in yoga where you just sit with your, it's called ankle to knee, where you sit with your shin stacked Mm -hmm. and bring your, say, your right ankle to your left knee. So you get that really great outer hip stretch. You can also then place your hands on your feet, push your inner thighs apart, and then take that up into your your low back. Do you, do you sit with something underneath your For that one, I don't, bones? I don't, but you can. And if you can't stack, then you can just place one shin in front of the other, taking your feet wider than your knees, which can be hard for people to yeah. do. This is, again, where a video would be good because we typically sit, you know, tuck, pull your feet in ankle to ankle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anything like that that really opens your hips and your low back is really good at night because it releases your psoas and it helps you to get grounded so you can sleep. Um, what do you, what challenges do you have physically and how, how do you, how do you manage them on an ongoing way? I, I think, you know, everyone has problem areas. Right, right. My problem area is my neck. Oh, it okay. has, it always has been. Um, so I do a lot of body work from, with other people for yeah. that, but I have to be really careful in my yoga practice that I don't com- create compression in my low back. And this is where I guess a lot of the work that I do now has come out of some of my own injuries. Yeah. So that I'm understanding. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at this age, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, even, even, even from the start for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I was overcoming back issues, but overcoming, 
hip issues and, you know, I messed up my elbow at one point. So I think I had some shoulder stuff on that side. Yeah. I was like just trying to figure out how all these things kind of started to become problematic and peeling away the layers of all that. But I, I find the same thing with everybody. Like everyone has something that's, that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of like, putting you know it sometimes there's a there's a bit of trial and error in terms of formula like how do you how do you how do you you know manage that at, on a daily basis in these maybe these like one minute increments sometimes when you you know that that's going to be problematic for you if you're sitting for very long if if you do have hip pain or something and just learning techniques to sort of manage it in, in little bursts yeah i mean it all comes back to alignment yeah. for me so even with my neck i guess you know Having you explain it that way, like certain injuries I've gotten along the way. I started with neck stuff. I've probably had that even since I was a kid without even really knowing that. Right, right. And then I have a shoulder injury that I got early on in yoga that I have to be really careful about the way I position myself pretty much in every pose or it flares up. But I've got a strong enough pattern around that now that I don't really have to think about it so much. I just know where to put my shoulder in most poses. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... It's a good question because I have ongoing maintenance too, and it's always it always goes back to alignment and keeping it. You know, I'll talk about keeping it sweet at the core with the breath and being um, kind to myself about it and not being rigid about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I need extra body work, you know, I have my people that I go to that can help me out. Um, so yeah, I'm always aware of my posture. Really, can, can we talk body work for a second? Sure. <laughs> I don't get to talk body work that much yeah, with, uh, yeah. on, on here anyway, um, because I because I think there are some things that I'd, I'd also like to take some of the, the taboo out of taking care of yourself by having some kind of manual therapy. I think sometimes we think about massages or whatever as being luxury. We've mm-hmm. we've gotten away from thinking that as much about chiropractic. I think partly because it's covered by insurance mm-hmm. and there's something about that that now doesn't seem as, as you know as much of a splurge for people and i i think there are other things that i'm hoping at some point you know can can fall into line and if if they're not covered by insurance you should you know give some consideration to an hsa if you're listening because HSAs and FSAs can be one of those things that you can sort of budget in some of this kind of care for yourself and if you know if if you know that you like acupuncture or, you know you like massage that you can actually you know budget that in pre-taxed into a savings account that just goes towards that and you get a debit card and you can use it for for those kinds of things. So I always am, am talking to my clients about that stuff because if you're already coming to see me, there's no reason why you shouldn't be budgeting this in and, and mm-hmm. having that taken care of pre-tax because you're basically saving you know 30% on the session, right? <laughs> right, and it's long-term savings. And it's long-term savings, yeah. 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 Like you were talking about earlier when we started, the person that's having to go back now and yeah. take care of themselves physically because yeah. just right. wasn't part of the equation right. with everything else. Right, so just in terms of playing the long game, I think body work really goes a long way. And I, I suggest you know for most people... Over thirty for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that you know, once a month, I think is is you know, is generally speaking, a really good amount to be getting. I get more than that, but I also push my body pretty hard to the amount of treatments that I do. But but I think you know, even if even if you can only do it you know two or three times a year, it at whatever age you are, it still makes a huge difference in terms. Of, my mom actually, she comes to see me once in a while, but she recently went to this this health seminar and got some sort of free assessment from these chiropractors 
And so she decided to go a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling me this week, last weekend that she they they did some sort of scan so they could see what the shape of her spine was, and they did an adjustment, and they said she's almost seventy. She's in in you know her spine's in great shape. She's got one place that she should work on some more. To just have that information, even just to get the resource from somebody to sort of help keep you. Mm-hmm. I always think on some level. When I first start working with people, sometimes I see them more regularly, and then you know I, I don't see them as frequently as time goes on if they're if they're doing well. But but I become kind of a touchstone for people you know that I'm working with in a regular way. I'm sure as as you are, where they can kind of you know check back in with those those things that they came to see you for in the first place, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe they've added <laughs> a challenge or two. But that way you have that mm-hmm. that that person who really knows your body. And right. I have I have more than one of those people, and it's sort of nice because they see things from slightly different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. So I think I refer people all the time. To to different people for chiropractic, acupuncture, massage, body work. And sometimes I think they're a little disappointed when they get an injury on their yoga mat or that the yoga practice is not the cure-all. Right, right. You know what I mean? They're kind of like, well, I'm taking, you know, it's a lot for them to take time to take a class. And they're like, well, you're telling me that I also have to do this. You know, there's other things that I need to do. So I think it's 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 an interesting cultural point again where it's like yeah you you're you know i have a team of like six different people i go to for different things depending on (laughs) what it is right and that know me that i've been going to for years and years and years so yeah i think it's really important and i think it's also important that like you said you you go to somebody that you trust and it's not uh it shouldn't be seen as luxury yeah you know i think that um for for whatever reason, yes, chiropractic because it's it's um, covered by healthcare gets a pass. But no, this is it's it's general maintenance that everybody needs to do. Yeah, and and, and everybody should you know make time for themselves in that way. And if you're new to body work, I think you have to try some different things, and you have to try some different practitioners. Like you know, the, in, any person you go to for massage might not be your person. Right. You know. If if you like the quality of their touch, you feel better afterwards, and they provide some kind of resource for you. Those are probably the things that you're looking for from a person. Yeah. If you don't like any of one of those things, any one of those three things, you might want to just keep shopping around. And yeah. and you know, for me, like I have someone who I know does really good neck work. I, when I when I have neck issues, I go to them. I know someone who does really good work with like feet and ankles because I have feet and ankle issues. You know, like yeah, I I, I kind of pick and choose depending on how I'm sort of challenging my body too. You know, in the summer months, I sort of you know do different kinds of stuff than I do in the winter months. And so yeah, but you've got your team of I've several got, I've people. Got a team. It's, it, there's yeah. a fair amount of trial and error in there, but I'm always kind of looking around and you know I'll I'll sort of splurge once in a while and try somebody new. Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, it also comes up around the yoga retreats that were that I'm now hosting, co-hosting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten through my first year of doing it, and one of the things that was really surprising to me because we call it it's a week of wellness, yoga and wellness, and how many people are return people that see this as an as an integral part of their health. They need this week where they're not carrying their cell phone around or yeah. having to take care of somebody else. They can just check out. Yeah. And I don't, it, it's not considered a luxury for a lot of the people that go on our retreats. It's a necessity mm-hmm. that yeah. they have this week to themselves because they're busy. You know, a lot of, a lot of them are parents. They have four kids. They have crazy corporate jobs. Like they need to have that time. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I think more and more people are open to that and understanding that we have to make time for ourselves in that way. And there's more and more places to do that. Yeah. And, and as, you know, retreats are or as that hour on the massage table is, mm-hmm. you know, I still think we have to figure out, you know, ways to incorporate some aspect of whatever we get from those kinds of things in our days. Mm-hmm. Like we clearly can't get massages every day, even though I'd love to. But if, if you can, if you can figure out something like for me, the, the foam rolling is like one of those things. I think it's like me taking care of myself, me making myself feel good. I'm the person who's living in this body. I have to take care of that right. body. I want to feel good in this body. You yeah. know? And that's what leads to, I think, other things that, it, that I'm doing in my life. If I'm not doing those things, it's so reflective of, of the way things are going with the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, a couple of things. The idea of getting a massage every day. <laughs> I think I'm going to make that a goal <laughs> because that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be totally amazing. Um. But yeah, I think it's also kind of an old school thing, you know, like thinking about my parents, my dad in particular, who's 70, he's going to be 78. Like when something's wrong, you go somewhere else. When something's wrong, you go to somebody else and then they fix it. Right. You know, right. that's kind of we were for people our age, we were probably raised by people with that mentality yeah, to totally. a certain degree. Yeah. And I think there are people our age who still feel that way a little bit, but yeah. I think it's just... It, it's changing a little bit more, mm-hmm. and also just because of the complications in healthcare, like it's yeah. it's it's crucial that we take care of ourselves, and it's and and we're in an age of information where we can where we can get you know resourced pretty quickly on on something that's going on, as long as we don't end up on the wrong website and think we have you know tuberculosis or cancer, <laughs> right. or whatever. Because Stay off WebMD. But but you know I, I think there's just so many more things like this. But back to your point about the the massages everyday thing. <laughs> It's, I think there's an there's an aspect of, for at least for me, this has been my experience, and I've been treating, I've done like over twenty thousand bodywork sessions on people, and I and I know that part of the reason that people are coming to me is for the hands-on part of things, mm-hmm. but there's another aspect of what people are really looking for, which is much like your retreats, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're looking for that spacer. Mm-hmm. And that th- there is, and there's an aspect of that that you can also do on your own. This is one of those things where, like, I think sometimes when people get so off track, they need to come see somebody, somebody like me, because they're not able to find that you know peaceful place, some kind of still point in their in their lives. And this is a good reset. And once you have that reset, sometimes you get much better at, and sort of like your yoga retreats would be. You 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 now you have that that sense of like I'm not going to live. In the, in, on the hamster wheel anymore. Right. I, I'm going to figure out ways to sort of create these spacers. And, and I think that's one of those things that you can do also in super small chunks. I mean, I, I do little sort of mini meditations sometimes between my clients because I need to keep myself in a, in a specific space, especially if, I'm, if I have a day where I'm, I'm treating babies and I'm in anxious parents and I'm treating people with chronic back pain and people who, with a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. If I don't get myself in that space, I'm also just not good at my job. Right. Yeah, I think, I think this kind of goes back to to what we were talking about earlier inner world versus outer world Mm -hmm. you know you can do something that obviously takes a lot more time like go you know take a retreat for a week but you can also it's the same hopefully you're understanding that the space you're creating there is the same as the space you're creating when you go get body work except for sometimes you know you're you're sort of you know in that inner world you're able to go deeper. You're mm-hmm. able to get, get to another place where you're like, ah, or 
just get more back into yourself again, you mm-hmm. know, when you've been sort of pulled in all these different directions on those, you need those longer sort of retreat type things sometimes to do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And absolutely. The, so I did my first retreat. I'd been a participant at retreats for years, for 20 years, but I actually co-led my first retreat, um, a year ago, this time last April. And I was blown away even for myself by the end of the week at like, oh, I feel great. Like it's been (laughs) 10 years since I've done this, like not worked and just took a week off and was fed, you know, three awesome meals a day and did three yoga classes a day and swam in the ocean. And, you know, even me, I didn't even realize it had been so long since I had had a week. Well, you're a business owner too. I mean, yeah. And I was working while I was doing it, but you know, even working while I was doing it, I got home and I was like, yes, I understand this now. This is really important. I need to do that more. And you're right. That space helps you understand. Like one of the things that I came back with was like, oh, I can, I can do this. I can get to a place where I'm grounded again, Mm -hmm. where I'm centered again, you know, and here's how I do it. I take a week off and go somewhere, but I can bring that back to my yoga mat. And then I can bring that back to my work life when I'm you know, running around on the hamster wheel trying to get stuff done. Right. I can apply it there. I know how to do that now because right. I've had the experience. Right. So I think a lot of what we're talking about today too is framing it that way. Right. Just, I mean, framing, that can, just framing in general, just understanding yeah. sort of how, you know, how we actually are structuring our lives. Yeah. Well, it's fun. This is so funny because I just had this conversation with my teacher trainees on Tuesday. And this is kind of what we're talking about is like, we don't have a language for this. We're all trying to figure this out. And part of the problem is there's no language. Yeah. There, there's like, it's not a part of our culture and there's no language. Like what words do we use? You know, because when I'm training people, a lot of the time they're like, well, how do you say that? Or how did you say that? Or, you know, the language part of it is a, a big learning. It's, it's, it's really tough. And we were laughing because I'm like, yeah, why isn't there a language around this that all of us understand and relate to? But there's not. And so even like what you and I are talking about today is like, what is the culture of wellness? How do we create that and put language around it that everybody agrees on? Yeah. Because we just, it's, we just don't have it. And, you know, it, it's different for every organization. Yeah. Um, and I think we, we also have to, to some extent, build our own, you know, language with that. Mm-hmm, for know, sure. I, There's I, a, definitely an individual, very personal part of that too. Just like when we, you know, when, when it gets down to it and I feel like this, this keeps coming up in conversations I have both with clients and on the podcast and friends and whatnot is that we're all trying to work towards something and it, that we can't identify right. exactly. And, and I think that's the, what we would call the spiritual aspect, or if we just said it was the mystery <laughs> that, right. that of, of existence that we just don't quite understand, but that you know, part of, part of what we're doing is we're, we're trying to have some, I think this is part of what I'm kind of getting into with the, with the podcast in general is that we just want to improve our experience. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to. And, and the more we, you know, the more we kind of like bring that experience up for ourselves or, or are able to be, you know, more present or whatever the language is that you want to use around that, that is really what it kind of comes down to that I think most of us are trying to, you know, get to. And it is, and it, most of the time it relates to something that is more communal. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's not just about, I want to feel this way really great inside myself and not share it with anybody else. That's, <laughs> right. That's not what we're, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> that's not the point. I think, but I think yoga kind of tried to do that for a long time. 
Oh, that's true. You know, yoga kind of was that way for a while. It's the guru mentality. Yeah, and like that you're not supposed, like if you do this, you're not. I have all the information inside (laughs) me. Like I've transcended suffering. You know, there was a lot of talk about (laughs) that, you know, where it was like, no. And I, even with that, I was like, no, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's possible. But right, yeah. So we're, and I think this goes back to what do you, and how do we do that? Like, how do we have that really rich, individual personal experience to have that be here as fully as we can be and have this great experience here embodied experience here and be in the world yeah and do that with other people and have you know the emotions that we have and the behavior that we have and the struggles that we have so how yeah how do we do that and i think that that's you know what we're trying to figure out and you can do it and you can start with one minute you know And that's it's and it, to me that one minute is really sort of about con, like this continuing conversation whether it's you know I mean I'm, I'm using conversation loosely here but but that you're 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 keeping this thread going basically with with movement with your connection with your physical body with your connection to your to your you know the, your bigger life and your passions and your joys and stuff that's really what's going on mm-hmm. with with continuing to sort of string together those minutes. Yeah, I think I like the word conversation. I use that a lot. Do you? When I teach. Yeah, because you're using you're trying to create a harmonious conversation between the the body, the mind and the heart. Mm. Right? Yeah. You're trying to get all of those things working together. Yeah. And what we have, you know, 99% of the time is the voice of the mind. It's just <laughs> yeah. like going like crazy. Yeah. So how do you, right. And this is where you can really get into this in yoga and meditation where it's all about, you know, recognizing that voice, but also then turning up the voice of the heart and the body and making that just as rich and just as important. Yeah. And that, and it just takes practice. You have to go back to it again and again and again and again. Yeah. And each time it gets a little bit easier and hopefully a little bit sweeter if you're doing it in a way that is encouraging healthy, healthy behavior. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. We're all trying to figure this out. And I, th- I think leading, you know, don't don't be afraid to lead. Don't be afraid to be the the weird guy at the back of the plane stretching. <laughs> like I think somehow you you know putting yourself out there makes it things more comfortable for other people, so they don't feel strange moving their body in public or feeling like this is. You know, my my body is something I should have any shame in for mm-hmm. some reason. I feel like that's that's something we're still. It's hard to believe, but I feel like we're still trying to overcome this. Well, right. So I'm very I, I'm careful to bring this up on a podcast or you know in a class. But I think right having full ownership of yourself physically is not culturally acceptable, and it's it's considered threatening. Yeah. You know, so if you're so empowered that you're you know, you're out running around or like totally free with what you're doing physically. Yeah. People don't know what to do with that. And I think it scares them. Yeah. You know, it's, it could be, it's just, people don't know how to react to it. And so a lot of, it's interesting. It comes up a lot when I'm teaching people and I talk a lot about you do this in a way that feels good to you. There's not a, a right or a wrong way to do this. Mm-hmm. We're trying to figure out through these actions that I'm giving you how to, how you do this in a way that feels good to you yeah. with healthy alignment. You yeah. get to decide. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of play in there. I, mm-hmm. I always... Oh, totally. We have so much fun. It's way more fun because yeah. I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't have the answers. I'm not a guru. That's, a, that's, a, that's important though. I think, I think people look to us for that there's that there's got to be some absolute here. Right. But we have the experience yeah, and we right. have 
we have the vision, we have this, we're, you know, we're used to looking at people, we're used to yeah. working with people, but we don't have the answers. No. And I think that idea our, of- Our opinion might matter, but, I, but, but there's, there's, no, there's no black and white when it comes to this. And everyone, I don't, I don't work with any two people exactly the same way. Right, right. Yeah, neither do I. And also, you know, what I'm teaching now is very different than what I was teaching five years ago. So I'm going to continue to evolve my language and what I understand in my education as well. So, you know, what we worked on today, five years from now, we'll probably be doing something that built on that similar, but different. Um, but I think that's kind of a radical idea that people on a yoga mat that people like you get to decide. Yeah. People are like, what? I'm like, no, you, you get to decide. Like, if that doesn't work for you, then don't do it. And, and that's kind of hard for people too. Like, if it's, if it's causing you pain, like, I'm so surprised how often I'll have to say if it hurts or if your knee hurts or if it's causing you pain, then stop doing it. Yeah. I, you said something that, that just totally hit me. The, the, this idea of, like, you know, five years later, we'll be doing something different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I started having my back issues in my, probably, probably in high school, actually, as, as you were sort of saying with your next, next stuff. It's like, I was, I, I know I probably had problems when I was much younger, but they really escalated to a point when I was in my twenties where I was having chronic pain, pain episodes, back spasms, that kind of stuff. And that's what ended up sort of leading me into this career but even as I was getting more information and sort of, you know, figuring out different ways of, of managing it and, you know, I ended up in this sort of varied career of like movement and body work because I just found those things, you know, working so well together. I, I could sort of understand how, what the mix was. I was really looking for ways to like solve my own problems. Mm-hmm. And if I could have been my own therapist at certain points, I would have been able to make it move faster, maybe. But, but I, but I, it, it took me a while and, you know, even five years in from there, I had made a ton of progress, but I, I, there was still stuff going on. I mean, I'm obviously aging in the process, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, but, but the str- the strange thing is now, like 20 years later, I have so much more ease in my body, mm-hmm. you know, and it's all based on these sort of foundational pieces that I had started putting together, and I hadn't had all the pieces figured out yet. But, you know, I, th- I think it's important for people to understand that you can you can get better, but that some of it has to do with the time that you put into it mm-hmm. and and some of it just takes time to sort of to sort out and to really sort of figure out what works for you because my formula is not going to work for every single person. I know right. a lot about backs but you know I might get somebody who has something complicated that I've never seen before too and, and it's it's just and everybody has you know different genetic you know sort of makeup too and the way they experience pain I mean there's just so many different you know aspects to it yeah I think a couple of things I think um, ease is a big one yeah I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there because it's and I figured this out not that long ago only like probably three or four years ago something just clicked in my practice and I was like well, what if I back off pushing so hard and just make it easier and then go back and then find the boundary and engage my muscles around that. And as soon as I started doing that, I was like, oh my God, this is so much better. (laughs) Like this is like, I could do this for the rest of my life. Like this makes sense. So I think that, but it it was hard to explain. Like, and then I went through a phase of, of a theme of like, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Like the difficult, well, the, the, the difficulty will find you. 
you don't need to make it harder. You know, you don't need to push so hard forward. Right. Like back off a little bit, get grounded and go move slower from there. Yeah. So I think that ease is kind of confusing for people that it doesn't have to be this like really strenuous thing in order to get the benefit. Yeah. Like backing off and making it easier is actually requires more. And I consider that more advanced, whatever that means. Um, because you're more in tune with what your boundaries are and what you need. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a hard thing to explain. And it took me 20 years to figure that out, you know? So yeah, backing off to be more engaged. And and one of the things that I try to do is follow my energy to some extent. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's another one of those things where if you're, if you're sort of, if you're sort of doing these check-ins often enough and I'm, you know, I'm in it all the time. So I don't really, I'm not really out of it much anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know? I know you, as we're talking about this, I'm like, I probably do this so much more than I even realize. Right. And, and I, and I, you know, so now if I, if I'm, you know, if I take a day where I'm going to, I mean, to try to push a little bit harder doing something or if whatever, if, if I'm just considering exercising in general, I really have this sort of ability to check in on the just on that on that level of where's my energy at today, mm-hmm. and start at a place where it feels comfortable. And sometimes I find that once I get moving, I'm like, oh, my energy is actually up here just a little bit more. I can I feel a little bit like I could I could go a little bit you know harder or tr- do something more challenging today. And then there are days where like. I come in and I feel that way and my, and my energy just doesn't get better. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's just, that's just where I'm at today. And some days I come in and I got to like, I got some demons to work out or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, like I got to, I got to push hard today. I just feel it in my, yeah. in my body. And so like I, I can find those, you know, I can find that where I can just kind of work in, in with different kinds of energy too. And I think that's, I think most people can do that if they if they're really honest with themselves. But I think what what people end up doing is having like a standard, mm-hmm. like I'm doing five miles today, running, right? You know, and that's and I, that can be very problematic, for, you know, for, for a lot of people. And I treat a lot of people who have really sort of, you know, I think overtrained. Yeah, and know, that's when you get injuries. And that's when you get injuries, and that's when you also just like when I think you start to really deplete yourself too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right, I can see where for somebody like that, it's hard to understand that if you back off, you're getting more. Right. You know? That's right. And and that's that long play again where you can do this in your 80s. Right. But if you keep doing, you know, setting these goals that are really rigid, you, you're not going to be doing that in your right. 80s. Yeah. It's the type A mentality that it, it works for a, a period of time where, you know, you can push, you can sleep less, you can do all mm-hmm. these things, but... You can't really cheat, you know, physiology. No, no, and you can't do it for a lifetime. Right. You can only get away with that for a certain amount of time. Right. Well, and this also kind of brings up, you're kind of now getting into, there's different bodies that need different things. Yeah. You know, and like in Ayurveda and yoga, there's three different body types. So the mm-hmm. exercise that is optimal for me is going to be totally different for somebody else, right? Yeah. So knowing your body enough to know which one is even good for you, and it kind of goes back to what you're saying, like it takes time to figure it out. It takes time to keep going back to that place. Well, what does this feel like? Yeah. And having a memory there and keep going back. Well, it feels like this today or it feels like this in the winter. It feels like this in the summer. Mm-hmm. It feels like this in the morning. It feels like this at night. You know, knowing your routine and your body well enough within those routines takes takes time. And but it's, it's also it's fun. Experience. Well, that's just Yeah, different. and it's also like it should be playful and it's accessible to everybody. It yeah. shouldn't be, you know another thing you have to check off throughout your day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fun. I mean, we have a lot of fun in, in my classes. I think people often are 
the newcomers are kind of surprised by how much laughing and all the hugging and <laughs> the stuff that goes on before class because it's like, yeah, this should be fun. Like this doesn't have to be a big serious thing. Right. But then when we get moving, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're yeah. going to do our thing. We're going to get our yoga on. So, you know, you can have both. In, in a situation like this with the yoga garden, if there's a community aspect of what people are like coming to the mm-hmm. place for, but what pr- actually probably keeps them returning is something neurochemical that they just get a, they push themselves to a place, they challenge themselves mm-hmm. a little bit, they get that kind of reward to, to their brain center, and then the, the the ability to you know actually find some peaceful space, mm-hmm. re- relaxation, you know, and at, at some point in this in the class, I'm sure there's always a mix of you know being able to wind down into that sort of helping your nervous system a little bit. Yep, and that's going back to that individual piece again. You just reminded me, though, because using the word community, I think going back to workplace wellness, that's eventually what gets built, is even within the workplace, the yoga classes that Mm. I've taught, eventually it becomes a community. And everybody in the class is very supportive of everybody else going to the class. And yeah, there's community within an organization built that way. But it takes time, you know, like I've just started two new classes and I was asking them today, I'm like, well, are you guys getting interest from other people? And they're like, yeah, people are starting to wonder where we're going. Like they see us pick up our yoga mats and head off to the gym and they're curious and they want to know if they can do it and, you know, what it entails and how it all works. And it's like, yep, that's how it starts. And you'll get more people and it'll start to start to build as they see you guys doing it. It's it's so important. And And my wife's done some of this with her jobs when they have like busy stretches of work or they had a busy season at her old job where she would basically kind of get teams of people together to sort of agree to like, you know, do better about getting the right kind of food there, you know, mm-hmm. th- th- those kinds of things. And I think, you know, you could probably do this, the same kind of thing for all aspects of, of sort of self-care and stuff in your workplace and to get people sort of, you know, you're, you're partnering with them and saying, I want to feel the same. I want, I want us to all feel this way. Yeah. <laughs> this is, right. this is our you know job together. We're, we're, we're here together. Let's, let's make this a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, re- you just reminded me, um, my friend, Aaron, the chiropractor started a walking club and she's 29. <laughs> I, just, I just think it's so awesome. <laughs> And she's super excited about it. She's like, do you want to do it? I'm like, well, I can in the summer, but I can't with my schedule right now. But I'm like, how great. Like, you're just getting a bunch of people together and going on a walk. (laughs) It's like super community oriented. It's so playful. And walking is great. Yeah. And they do it through the winter, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, after, you know, it's like five o'clock on a Tuesday, you're ready to go to bed in in December, you know. So they're like going out for a walk at six o'clock. That's great. So, yeah, right. Like, it doesn't have to be complicated and community builds around it quickly. Yeah. And I think actually, now that I'm thinking of it, the playful part of it is such a important part of it is building the community. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for your wife for getting people to think about their diets and. Well, she's going, she, she wants to anyway, but you know, the, the thing is that, that, that tends to happen is someone brings in donuts, <laughs> some yeah. bowl of candy, you know, yeah. they're going to order in from someplace. She's vegetarian. So she's, that's always a challenge. It's getting better, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where, you know, they're, but they're going to get something from a burger place or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, so she, and it's not that, that just because that's not the way she wants to eat, that's not, that's not an issue for her. It's just that like everybody is saying things to her, like they want, they want to do a better job for themselves. Like mm-hmm. they, they know how they feel 
by the end of these busy seasons or busy busy patches and and so they don't want to let themselves you know get run down to that point and i think having camaraderie in this and like she would bring in snack you know like healthy snacks sometimes and like if if that's there, people are going to eat it. Doesn't matter what it is. Right. If you put a bowl of grapes out there, people will eat it. If you put some yeah. oranges out there, people will eat it. Yeah. If you put a bowl of candy, people will eat it. You know. So it's like trying to really be better about you know making that. One one of my I have this good friend in in Antwerp, Belgium, and the I don't know if he's still doing this, but when he first started his business, he's an he's an architect and has a small you know business had had like six people working for him at the time and he used to go out he was the boss but he used to go out every day right before lunch they had a little kitchen in the office and he would go get stuff and bring it back and make lunch for his team oh nice like almost every day that is amazing and i and there's something to be said about uh you know your boss wanting to take care of your most basic needs. Your nutrition, that's that, incredible. That, that I think is probably going to lead to like a successful outcome. Yeah, yeah, right. That stuff is so important. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the businesses that I go to, like we said earlier, where there is that camaraderie are the ones that have really successful yoga and wellness programs yeah. that are around 15 years later. It's pretty amazing. Well, we got a few ideas out there yeah. to, to, to share. Yeah. yeah. There's there Yeah, there's so many ways to do it starting with the one minute yes. i think is a great way and i and i'm feeling committed now i've been i've been holding off on getting too much video happening because of the complications of video but i think between the two of us we have like a good resource for some of the movement aspects of this and even just some basic self-care and relaxation techniques and all those kinds of things that have been sort of part of our practices for a long time that I'm feeling committed to doing more of that. So yeah, let's do it. Look out for that listeners and we'll, we'll try to get more of this coming your way. That sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing this with me again. How was that? I think we had some pretty good stuff in that one. I've come to understand through my 20 plus years in private practice that developing awareness is what leads to an improved experience. Oftentimes, the way into our inner life is through our body, and vice versa. Sometimes our inner life is rich, but we've forgotten to take care of our bodies. Either way, developing a practice of engaging the body brings us into an awareness that can be made effortless by programming it into our days and weeks. Some of those rituals can be small ones like getting up from our desks and moving and stretching and resetting our breath, and other times it can be something that we give ourselves time for, like a hike or a run, a yoga class or as we discussed, an hour on the massage table. But I know too well that there are stretches of time, especially as a parent and as a busy person with a career and other pursuits, that it just is impossible to break away for an hour. And this is exactly why I wanted to have this conversation, because I think these small daily rituals are so important, and they are what I get by on much of the time. Laurel and I are committed to making something more visual to help you with this over the next year. So if you have any anything that you'd like us to put on video for you, shoot me an email at jeremy at highwoodhealthpodcast.com. I'd love to get your suggestions. Also remember, if you'd like to become a supporter of this project, it's easy to contribute by going to patreon.com forward slash highway to health. Your donations will help fund not just the podcast, but ongoing support through videos like Laurel and I will be creating. Thanks for listening and for all that you do. Be good to yourself, be kind to each other, and take care of your planet. Be well, my friends.